Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Hey everybody, it's your radioactive wizard, Holden McNeely. Wait, did I say that last time? Who gives a shit, Jake? <laughs> and it is I, your mutated bruiser, Jake Young. Uh, this is the first conversation I've had all day. Wow. I just kind of woke up and went to work and now I'm using my mouth. That's amazing. I've been sitting mostly in silence for the past two days um, because we got back from a big special event where I scream talked for pretty much the whole weekend. <laughs> and now I'm here and, and I'm so happy to be here because this I've been really looking forward to this episode because this is like the fallout I know. You know what I mean? This is the fallout that that I can't became accustomed to. And even I was super late to the party, to be quite honest with you. And that's why we have our special guest, Marcus Parks, in the building. What's yeah. happening, buddy? Hello. Oh, man, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about Fallout, bro. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, I ever want to do is talk about Fallout. <laughs> so, so the way we're structuring this episode, this is the gush what we refer to as the gush, by the way. We always talk about it in that sense. Because you always have to spend some time Shit. talking about the history, talking about the, give me the facts, give me what yeah. happened. But there's also the importance of the gush. And and I think we have a lot to gush about here. Jake, what was your personal experience uh, in a, a broad sense with the Fallout series from Fallout 3 forward? Well, first of all, I'd like, uh, Marcus, you were here, of course, from episode one of Wizard and the Bruiser. And I bet you're feeling a little bit of uh, just seething uh, rage right now because the gush is a way better name for this podcast. Oh, my <laughs> and we've God. Been, we've been on sleep at the wheel for like two, a year and a half already. I just, it sounds weirdly sexual, though. So I feel yeah. like Wizard and the Bruiser. Yeah. This, the yeah. Wizard and the Bruiser is also weirdly sexual. It's all weirdly, we're weirdly sexual beings. Yeah, you remember the original title that y'all were kicking around, Mother's Basement? No, Mommy's Basement. <laughs> Mommy's, Mommy's Basement. basement. So then it turns out there's a YouTube channel. That's <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was like, no, it has to be Mommy's Basement or Creepy Hands Uncle. I don't care, one or the other. Uh, so, I mean, the Fallout universe is just this amazing... Uh, almost perfect teen boy franchise because it combines like the fucking devastation of war and fucked up. Yeah. You find a fucked up skeleton and then you look on the desk and there's a note that was like, I don't want to be a fucked up skeleton. I hope war don't kill me. <laughs> and then there's all this like fucking pop culture stuff where there's aliens and ray guns and sci-fi and power armor and all this cool shit. So like it can be both uh, irreverent and fucking gut punchy, which are the only two forms of drama right. that teenage boys love. <laughs> 
<laughs> of course, absolutely. Uh, I uh, play. I completely missed Fallout Three, but I Same. played New Vegas, and yeah. it blew my fucking dome out of my brain I, and uh, doing the research seeing that i apparently was vindicated in that choice uh it's it's uh honestly new vegas has stuck with me for all these years later. so he's and this is going to be a fun argument because he's going to argue that new vegas is better than fallout 3 which i can't wait for i understand <laughs> and and this is perfect guys because i missed fallout 3 and new vegas and i got on with fallout 4 and have a completely different perspective from it and of course marcus i'm a fallout 3 guy all the way right but yeah i started up, then yeah i picked up fallout 3 at a very uh let's say uh, i was lean on the cash and <laughs> <laughs> and going through it like and i had a, like a p uh, PS3 that I'd had forever and was going through all of the like used games and all that like going through the $5 bin and it was a few years so Fallout 3 was what 2007? Yes. And this was 2010. Yes. So by the time it got around to that like the game of the year editions had already come out so the original Fallout 3 was oh, only Oh so they like even fixed bucks. all like the huger oh bugs. God, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That's like when I picked up the entire Mass Effect trilogy for like an Xbox 360 like right before the new generation was coming out. I probably <laughs> bought it for like 20 bucks it was like 200 hours of like <laughs> epic gaming but anyways yeah yeah, yeah. and so I, I picked that up and just started playing it and it, it was one of those things where you know i know a lot of people you know say this that during a breakup a good video game is like mm. the best friend you'll ever have yes uh and i was going through like a breakup of like a three year long relationship Hell so yeah. i just awesome <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a miserable breakup too. So like the misery of the Fallout 3 world exactly matched like where I was in my life at that time. Right. So it's like it was like I could like live in my own misery in the best way possible. And it's the exploration of the world where I, what I used just, to do is I, I would just hit an X, like a waypoint on the other side of the map and would just walk to it and see what I would find along the way. And Because there's so many small things. To, and, you know, ad admittedly, the game is like the design is repetitive. Uh, you know, it's the same shit everywhere you look pretty much. Uh, but there was also like something kind of comforting in that, that like you knew that like all the vaults were the same. You knew yeah. when you go, it went in somewhere, like you were going to kind of get that sort of like feeling, you know, Except that Vault 87, that one was spooky. <laughs> <laughs> was Vault 87 the one uh, with the, the noise? Uh, the super, the, the one that was like, you had to find, um, where all like the fucked up super mutant experiments were? Yeah, where you had to go get the gek. You had to get the gek. Don't activate the gek. <laughs> <laughs> you just start a wormhole and you ruin the universe. Yeah. Don't activate. But there's just so much to do in the game. Like I, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I've, I've I've devoted I don't know how many hundreds of hours to Fallout Three, and I don't know how many different games. I would just pick up the same save file and go to Tranquility Lane and break up marriages over and over. <laughs> And over again. <laughs> well, I love you mentioning the uh, X, actually, because and we'll get into this deeper, but they called it uh, in their game testing the uh, Wasteland Task Force. And they would do exactly that. Every single person, including the artists, would essentially just, they would be like, you need to start here, and you're just going to literally walk in a straight line. Yeah. And, and give us your, what they called, shit list. <laughs> which was like, this part sucked, that rock sucks, you, you know, this idiot sucks. You know what I mean? They would just like, be like, you know, in terms of what they encountered, and then they would just add in more shit to just give you so that if a person, a depressed, 
human like you <laughs> getting over a relationship were to walk in a straight line like you did, you would find some some jewels every time. But the cool thing about it is that it wasn't like it it didn't live with that depression of that time. Like it didn't yeah. die when that depression died. Like yeah. it, it continued on into that right. and continued to be something like I can play when in pretty much any mood. Like if I'm happy, like I'll have a still have a great time playing it. Right. That's what I I shit. This is something that I should have printed out or at least written down. But each protagonist in each game has like a special name. Like mm-hmm. Fallout 4 is the sole survivor. Fallout yep. New Vegas is the, is, uh, is the lone wanderer the Fallout 3 guy? Yeah. Yes. So can you describe. That's perfect. So what you're exactly describing. The, can you describe who your lone wanderer was? Who might? Well, it depended. It de- all depended on the oh, game. Oh, you did multiple playthroughs. I did so many different he playthroughs. Still yeah. does playthroughs, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I still do. Pl- like, we'll pop down and like play Fallout Three. Like, you know, and I tried it every way that you could. Like, tried it like fully good. Uh, tried it fully evil. My fully evil character that was Ursula. Hell yeah, <laughs> she was bad. <laughs> like, she did. Bad, bad things. Was to she everyone. your first or your second? Did you go all good first? I I went all good first. Okay, yeah, that's what that's, I was doing. Yeah, because that's you always be a hero. That's always like yeah, you're always a hero. But then like with Ursula, I went on a quest to kill everyone in the game, ah. and I did it. What? Like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you just be like just a casual genocide? Rob? <laughs> yeah. Wait. So you. Is okay. So I, when you do that, if in that game, yeah. if you were to walk anywhere, there's just no life, no life like, at I, all. I killed everything. Because I went forgot to about every, the fact nothing regenerate, like nothing regenerates. Yeah, yeah. Went to every That's single insane. town. Went to every location. I killed every <laughs> single living thing that I could find, and I genocided the whole map. Fuck yeah! <laughs> That's a lot of fucking. That's a lot of vats. Yeah. That's a lot of critical strength. So this in Fallout 3, what is the most efficient way to kill something? Well, uh, in Fallout 3, definitely like headshots are always great. Because what you got to do in Fallout 3 is like if you really want to get ahead, if you're playing evil, you go straight to Megaton and you kill the um, you kill the sheriff right up top. You get his Chinese assault oh, rifle yeah, and yeah. then you run. Yeah, and then, and then and then you run as hard and as fast as you can, and that really gives you a leg up, like for the rest of the game. If you're evil, if or, you're evil, yeah. yeah, because you're also, but you're also like kind of cutting yourself off from Megaton for a little while, which is so weird to me. And so, are you going on quests and then killing the people involved, or is that just make it so that you? Well, you got to go on quests because you got to get the experience. Yeah, like right? you say, yeah, you still have to get the experience to you know get up to you know the the infamous level thirty cap. Yes, uh, which just, always kind of bug the shit out of me. But I, on the other hand like once you get because i'm a big leveler in games and all that what's the wait wait so is there a big i don't i didn't read about this is there a big there's a big issue with getting to level 30 or well it's a, like, it's a, like you can't get above level 30 right because right. like level 30 is the highest you so go then the skinner box 3. train comes to an end and there's no like little dings no little like pips no little nothing yeah. right you get all the perks like, right you, you just there yeah there, there are no more perks to be had there's a, you, like you don't get any kind of boost Does that like, you give just, you a sense of existentialist dread <laughs> There's nothing left for me to do here. <laughs> no, that's just when you kill everyone. Yeah. Wait, yeah. so does this mean you you haven't played New Vegas? 
Of course I have. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've played and, every and four. So yeah, we're gonna I've, go yeah, through. I've we're got, gonna go yeah. through all of them. Oh no, I've I've put Fallout Three is the one I put the most on. But yeah, yeah New Vegas, even Shelter, I played the fuck out. Yeah. Of. So and I want to talk know? about all wow. of these. Yeah. You, you never and you never. I think you already got you to say this. You never played one or two. I was able to play a little bit of a one, like on a oh. PC, like just a tiny little bit like after you played Fallout Three. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, pretty recently, I was able oh, cool. to play like one, like pretty br- very briefly. Uh, and it was cool because it still had a lot of the same like feeling, uh, but it's a you know a point and click RPG which I've always been fucking terrible at, especially yeah. those old PC point and click that are RPGs. like mean to you yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like super mean, like you know old Diablo. Type I tried of shit. to play two, uh, I think this year because it was on you know because they're all on sale for like pennies. Yeah, and uh, a it took forever to like run on my system because like it just could not figure out what the resolution should be, and then I just immediately in the tutorial level they fling you into like this labyrinth where you're just like you had to fight rats but you're so low level that you're like I attack the rat you miss the rat yeah I fucking attack the rat you missed the rats <laughs> and I'm just like so upset and I doing research it turns out that was a huge off-putting thing that made you know tons of people drop the game whereas like uh the kind of the polish that Bethesda brought to this game uh really did encourage people like it brought it bridged the gap between these very high hurdle barrier to entry uh, CRPGs, as they call them, <laughs> and uh, kind of brought it, you know, just ever so slightly to the, you know, I'll mark it on your map, like headshot uh, action game that we had been used to at that point. Yeah, I mean, follow through, like from the the moment that like, you like you come out of the vault, and like, because it, the cool thing that I liked about it is tunnel that, like, snakes rule. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Butch. Help my ma some shit. Killed both Butch and his mother. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in the good playthrough. He just yeah, hated yeah. Butch. Oh, but oh, Yeah, tunnel snakes roll. Who's the fucking... I'm a tunnel snake now. And now all the fucking tunnel snakes are dead because I decided it. There's one tunnel snake. Hey, no, not my leather... My inexplicable leather jacket. <laughs> Uh, and how many cigarettes there are still left in that world yeah yeah it's but it's you know just it's immediately hard but it's a hard it's a kind of hard that i wanted to play through yeah like i just immediately dying and not knowing like i loved coming out and not knowing what to do like Mm -hmm. not having any idea but just having the world be so beautiful in its own way like Mm -hmm. in its post-apocalyptic way but a world that like I'd never seen anything like it and then you come and usually in like kind of games like you or in those sorts of games you kind of stop at the houses and you stop at the places along the way and you kind of see what they have to offer but in that one it's like you stop at the house and immediately it's like oh I can just kill this woman (laughs) I can just I can just kill her and no one's going to know, and it's not going to, like, fuck with my game, really. Like, it's just going to happen. And then you go across the street to the school, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to die. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. And then it takes you a while to figure out, like, oh, I need to come back to this place later. Right. Uh, And then, like, eventually making it to Megaton and, like, the whole world just unfolding uh, in such a beautiful way. And and it slowly unfolding, but uh, not being so obtuse, uh, that you don't know what the hell's going on. Like it, you kind of immediately get it. It instills that feeling of wandering in the unknown that uh, many other games can't get get uh, done. And even in Fallout Four, for me, there's always that feeling of like, can I be here? 
Yeah. Am I way out of my limit right now? Like, I, you know, I'm seeing, what's the name of the big death? Death, death claw. Claws, Is there right? a death claw anywhere? Right? Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes, like in Fallout 4, I encountered a death claw like way earlier than I wanted to encounter a death claw. And like, yeah. I think you could kind of figure out how to kill it in a way, too. So it was just one. They definitely put it there to make it early game. You could try to kill it. Um, but yeah, I constantly everywhere I went, and especially in four, which we'll get to later. But yeah, when you get into like the green, um, uh, radioactive spots or whatever, yeah. where everything just goes fucking crazy green, and you're like, whoa, I am in a bad place, and I feel it in my in me. Yeah, I want I want to hear specifics. I want to hear yeah. like mo- like uh, who is your memories. favorite companion? Uh, I didn't play with companions. What dog but, meat? Yeah, because I was the fucking lone wanderer. I oh, hated having companions. But dog meat. Uh, yeah, Doug, well, that's a name Doug Henry Meade gave me. Dog inevitably <laughs> dies. Yeah, well, the thing was <laughs> If that you're that fucking rough and rowdy, Doc Meat does not stand much of a chance. I didn't chance. know he gave a chance. I thought it was just a fallout. No, love, not at all. Henry thing. has no fucking... He just started what? calling me Dog Meat. No, it has uh-huh. nothing to do with fallout. That's like, insane. Yeah, nothing at all. Well, Dog Meat is... Uh, the name Dog Meat, that's a reference to another post-apocalyptic movie, A Boy and His Dog. Yes, which... Yeah. I, and, of course, the oh, fallout games yeah, are Don all, all love letters And Mad Max also those. had a dog. It's like a fairly... Yeah, it's but like the dog in A Boy his dog was named dog meat oh yeah 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 so gotcha. i always thought it was like well this man loves fallout yeah so. <laughs> no, no no it was just something that i think henry called me dog meat from that movie but gotcha. yeah had as in henry's it mind i had kind of absolutely yeah it was out. just a funny name that he thought would would fit me but yeah well that was part of the thing so like i didn't like companions because i wanted to be alone right uh and that's how it still didn't is one me. fox mouthing off at you every time you <laughs> killed an old lady yeah right but that's the uh, definition of role oh playing, you didn't even right? get clover the the sassy uh hooker clover <laughs> is sometimes fun like i guess but i also well for me like uh playing video games is a, a solitary experience yes. like I, I hate multiplayer games i hate playing online or why kids call you fun names <laughs> <laughs> no i i hate it's like because for me video games it, it's it's escape right it, it's an escape from the world it's escape from myself you know it's a, an escape from everything and that's why fallout 3 was so perfect and why it's still like a perfect game for me is because i can choose to be as cooperative or as fucking awful as I want to be. Like this is this is me in this world, or my character in this world, and there's nobody else unless I choose. Unless I choose it, and I never chose it because Dogmeat always got fucking killed instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I never just I just never liked looking around and seeing anybody. <laughs> I think that's I think right. that's great though because that's yeah that was weird. You would enter a new zone and your like uh, companion would always just be like standing in a weird yeah. corner. <laughs> They had companion issues for sure, but that's like the definition of me of role playing, where you're making choices in the game based on your own personal plot that's like unraveling in your head, and not not based on mechanics necessarily or anything like that. It's like the game probably would be easier for you and therefore more logical to go with a companion, but for you, it's like no, because this I want this experience to be this, and that is what Fallout presents to you a, a, an option to make your experience whatever you want it to be. And I love the karma system. Like the, yeah. the karma system was amazing because it it does mean like it's not a world uh, like you can do whatever you want, but I loved that all of my actions had consequences. Yes. You know, like depending on what your reputation was, you had different uh, options with dialogue. You had d- different options with like what you could do during certain missions. Uh, and that made play, that made replayability like fucking fantastic. Right. 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 Because you could play like this is a different game than the one that I played before because I was 
all I was Jesus on the first one and then Satan on the second one. Mm-hmm. And then I even tried like a neutral game where it's like, okay, like how do I sit right in the middle? Like what can I do to like always sit right in the middle? Uh, it, it's just God, it's so good. So, so, so but, but okay, but like in New Vegas, it's more than just Jesus and Satan. It's like fascist and yeah. dem- and Democrat, well, like libertarian, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it adds all these dimensions. There's like so many more shades of gray that you get to play with in New Vegas, where like uh, too many shades of gray. What? <laughs> Is that, yeah, right. And that, but but that was their whole. Point. I was like so they, jazzed when I was playing that game, being like, "Oh my god, it's so muddy." They wanted it to be. They wanted it to be more like what we got, like with the uh, Witcher games, where it's like, "Oh, it's not like this is clearly good and this is clearly evil, and now I'm going to choose." It's like, no, no, it's going to be. What do you, you know, this will affect the relationship you have with this tribe or the, or whatever, and, oh. and it's just going to change all around. Well, and I think Witcher uh, 3 was fantastic with that. They yeah. really figured it out. But with New Vegas, I always felt like it was it was too muddy, and you could fuck up. Because so, my first playthrough on uh, New Vegas, like, I didn't really know what I was doing and fucked up the entire game where I couldn't progress anymore. Because you didn't have anymore. fucking, uh, you Ooh. didn't have a, 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 a Taken Daddy to be like, <laughs> oh, I love you, my sweet boy. Come find me. Like, oh, I love you. <laughs> my, I have a very special set of skills. Water or some shit. <laughs> Revelation, the waters of life. Yeah. That's, see, you, you like even in your eyes, you can be like, I fucking hate the actual plot of Fallout 3. It's fine. I was about to ask that. Is the major plot of any of the Fallout games ever like a thing that's memorable and compelling to you or is it really about the small stories? It's about the small stories. It's about going to a town called the Republic of Dave Mm -hmm. and trying to fix Mm -hmm. an election or like going to another town where there's like Two weird like ant man like ant woman oh, like two weird the super- mechanist and antagonizer yeah, yeah, antagonizer that's what it was like yeah like weird really weird small or an underground vampire society you know the like <laughs> people who really got freaked out by the family because it has like this initial like story you you do you know the family story like that one starts with you just find like dead parents and a letter that's like I'm concerned about Johnny. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it just starts from there, and then but the cool thing is that like it ends with a great perk of like if you want to become a vampire, like those blood packs, awesome. the whole game you're like, what the fuck do I need blood packs for? It's only one HP. Like it's stupid, and then you know blood packs end up being like very valuable after you become a vampire. Or like going to Ten Penny Towers where you're like, am I gonna lead a ghoul revolution? Uh. The answer is yes. <laughs> And then am I going to kill all the ghouls afterwards? The answer is yes. <laughs> uh, what other memorable vaults from Fallout 3? Because I think there was another oh, one. Like- Gary! Gary! <laughs> Gary! Yeah. Well, my favorite one is the the noise experiment vault, uh, where the noise experiment vault is where they, sl- like there's an ambient noise that they slowly raise uh, throughout, and they fill it with like musicians and people that are like very sensitive to noise, uh, and then they slowly raise the no- the ambient noise level so it's like imperceptible to the people in there mm. uh, until they all go insane, and kill each other. That's awesome. Oh, but I want to meet that writer. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. But uh, but I mean, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand for the game I, I actually played. Um, <laughs> uh, in uh, New Vegas, they have uh, Vault Eleven. Which has this, uh, that's the one where they had to like vote to kill one person every year. Yeah. And like immediately within a couple of years, they started exploiting it to like get rid of people. And it like became this like weird power struggle and revolution. And the whole vault was like, 
killing each other until it was down to five people and they were so just shell-shocked by the whole experience. They're like, no, we're all going to die. We're not going to do this anymore. And then the vault goes like, congratulations, you've learned how mass hysteria is bad. Like, you're free to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the thing is it's... Even if we like, we can argue about which games or which iteration is better. The setting just lends itself to so much good ass storytelling. Yeah, right. it does because you, you know there are a, a thousand short stories uh, throughout the game. Like you just go to a Robco and like you go to a terminal and you're like, "What's the story going to be?" Like I know I'm about to get like a whole different, like a weird like slice of life of these two dudes who fucking hated each other. <laughs> uh, and, and, like and not even at the vault, like just at like the Robco factory. Yeah, you know, like just weird. Those weird little and then slices you see, of like, I left the key in my le- in my bottom drawer, and then you check the bottom drawer, and there's a key, and then you open his lockbox, and there's free grenades, and it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, nice. it's it's super fun, and it's like because it's cool because it's such a cool way to to see this world before, you know, right, because right. the world because that's the cool thing about Fallout is that it's not only is the the present world fascinating but the world that came before is also uh just so interesting and so like an atomic powered uh 50s arrested development society that has to fight that (laughs) democracy is not yeah you know like liberty (laughs) prime just gigantic like a fucking war in alaska against the chinese (laughs) like wow Oh man, could you even imagine a war with over resources in an increasingly hostile environment uh, with I don't know, say a hypernationalist president that antagonizes <laughs> the Chinese? <laughs> what a crazy <laughs> story. Uh, democracy I, I, is not negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> I will say too, I think that's what uh, one thing that really bummed me out about Fallout 4 was its lack of vaults. Because one of the big things for me was like, oh, I can't wait to get into this. I'm finally going to get into Fallout. And I heard there's all these crazy vaults, and they're really fun. And, oh, there's so many options that you have with all these cool vault stories. They must have an endless supply. And then I get into Fallout 4, and I'm like, there's like two. Yeah. You know? And I was like, come on, what? I mean, I know you can make stories in other buildings, but I don't know. There was something about the vault as a different sort of short story that is very compelling. Everybody loves a psychological experiment. The Milgram, the Stanford prison, you lock people in a room and find out how bad they are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I think with with Fallout 3 and with uh, New Vegas as well, it's like, it's not that the story is an afterthought. It's just not the point. And yeah. I think with Fallout 4, uh, what they did is they got way... And even for like Skyrim. Like Skyrim, the story isn't necessarily the point. You no. know, it's not... It, it, everything else is the point. The world is the point. The world is the game. And that's what I didn't get, I think, with... Uh, I think in general I don't get with Bethesda games because I played Skyrim to credits. Yeah. And then I just... if I my Psychologically, if I see credits, I'm just done with the game. That's just me, and that was not the way to play Skyrim. And, I mean, the load times were atrocious, so whatever. I played yeah, on PlayStation yeah, yeah. 3. Oh, yeah, but still, I, I feel like I didn't. Ex- I still have not experienced a Bethesda game the way I'm supposed to experience a Bethesda game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think, well, Fallout 4, I think, what well, Fallout 4 tried to, it mm-hmm. kept you on the main track too much. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, 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 the dialogue, everyone made fun of the dialogue options when it came out. Yeah. Where, like, you're supposed to be role-playing, you're supposed to inhabit this world, and it's like, Sassy, yes, no, right? Yeah, yeah it wasn't. It, it really it lost a lot of what made the, the. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I still 
fucking played it for I, like I played hours. the whole. No, they got, they got <laughs> like, fucking Nick Valentine. Yeah, they yeah. got yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I play. It's it's still a, a Nick great Valentine? game. I forgot the name. Yeah, of Nick Valentine. Yeah. But I, I agree. It it rely. There were a few. There were a few things for me. It was it was yeah. Probably reliance too much on the main story, which I really wasn't that intrigued by. Nope. Um, uh, enthusiasm about shit I super don't care about, which is like crafting um and building up your settlement and stuff. I'm just not into building. I'm just not a Minecraft guy. I'm they not were that kind so of so ready to take that out of the game. It was just this like fun thing that they were like just experimenting with and they could figure out how to that's the, that's the, the weapon other. modification was cool weapon modification I was cool and i actually did i built one hell of a settlement yeah like i, I actually had once i got into it i had a lot of fun with it and it also like for me actually the weapon or not the weapon the uh the settlement building was kind of more in the spirit of the original fallout games mm-hmm. because all of a sudden the game isn't about uh i gotta find my son the game is about i gotta find five fucking screws <laughs> right now and like you know a bunch of duct tape rolls and so it's like just going out into the world and it's like I'm just I just gotta go find duct tape and the other thing that kind of killed me about 4 was the the segment of quests that were endless mm-hmm. just took that takes air out of my tires yeah. man I don't want that I want precise hold like it. specifically told hold it. thank stories god like i found t- you hold it another settlement right? needs your help and I was just like, <laughs> i'll I, mark it on your map well i'm o- i'm a kind of ocd so yeah i want to like knock everything out but yeah. then you're just giving me an endless amount of shit and what i really want is to like find these written you know findable stories like the ones you described that that, that have made me excited to play it in the first place and i'm like what's this it's this like plotless settlement cleanup yeah i didn't, I didn't like that either even yeah. though i did do a shitload. I did so many of I, them. Me too, man. I mean, my I love my my favorite ones on Fallout Four to do were um, the missions from uh, the Brotherhood of Steel. You mm-hmm. know, down in that the Georgetown Police Station that you first come across, mm-hmm. and just going out and finding shit, like going and coming back and going and coming back. Like I played those for for so long until I found out that they don't end. Yeah, like and, when they came back fuck, around, what? Like they, I was like, man, so I'm gonna get something cool because that's the reason why you do those. Right. So like usually, like you're like, if I do like. Five of these, I'm going to get fucking the- Gold power armor. Yeah, the coolest gun. Like, the coolest gun with And it's going to coolest- have, like, a name, like, The Lament of the Widow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to use it for, you know, five minutes before I go right back to a combat shotgun. Yo, yo, uh, yeah. check out this browning. It's called Freedom Spear. <laughs> um, the uh, Actually, can we talk about the Brotherhood of Steel for a moment? Because sure. they're, like, the most iconic- thing in the game uh-huh. yeah. uh the uh you know literally the first image bethesda did when they like officially took on the fallout project was they just drew a cool brotherhood armor uh like that that cover illustration think of the iconic like that was literally the first piece of art that was produced for the entire project um and like it's such a 90s fantasy of these like nerds with like especially in fallout one and two they all have like you know like punk haircuts yeah and they call each other like knight and paladin and all this shit and the idea that just like being finicky with tech will save the world we've got to find technology yeah like like it's like as a kid not as a kid but like when i was younger i was like fuck the brotherhood of steel is so cool but every game like since then just shits all over them for being kind of like pointless (laughs) that's amazing well, I loved how uh, New Vegas uh, handled the Brotherhood of Steel. That was really cool. Like where they're just like in a hole in the desert, and nobody really cares about them, <laughs> and they're just kind of hanging out there. Oh my God, that uh, New Vegas man! What up, everybody? It is me, your bearded bruiser Jake, here once again to talk about this week's sponsor, Keeps. Listen, hi. I'm talking to you, Mister. I'm concerned about my male pattern baldness and thinning hair. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you should probably be a little bit concerned, you know. Uh, maybe you take pride in your appearance. Maybe you're not ready to go for that wizened avuncular look, and that's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. Actually, it's pretty great because there's two available treatment options that have been scientifically approved by the FDA. The only issue is, up until now, they've been a nightmare to get. I remember going to the pharmacy every month to pick up a new bottle of my treatment plan, and it was just the worst. It was just embarrassing. They had to go behind the cabinet to open it up. Just all in all, I regretted it and just was not, I hated the whole process. So when I found out about Keeps, it was music to my ears. This is an amazing system they have going. All you have to do is go onto your computer or your phone and fill out a quick five minute form and take a couple of pictures. Then a licensed doctor will approve a treatment plan for you. And then within a couple of days, you get a box right there on your door, discreet, perfect. And not only is it full of actual medication, it is cheaper than you ever thought possible. Now, Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products, some of which you might have tried before, but you've never gotten them this easily or for this price. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get your first month free. That's that's like no money. That's like you, you sign up and you do it, and then they just give you stuff. That's incredible. The fact is, the longer you put this off, the worse your hair loss problems are going to be. So the sooner you act, the sooner you can keep your hair. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to Keeps.com slash wizard. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash wizard. That's a free month at Keeps.com slash wizard. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. So we're about to wrap things up, but I wanted to, we haven't talked yet about Fallout Shelter, uh, and that's another thing that I wonder how many hours you put into that as well. Oh, I, I wouldn't say I put in like hundreds okay. of hours. Oh, yeah, I, I, put uh, in, I put in a fair amount of time uh, to Fallout Shelter, but it's not a great game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's finicky, and uh, I, but I love, because I, I used to, when I was a kid, I loved Sim Tower, uh-huh. uh, and it reminded me a lot of Sim Tower, like that sort of, like that sort of weird like building that you know goes up and down uh and you have to position everything in the right way for everything to work together Mm -hmm. uh but yeah fallout fallout shelter was fine yeah uh but i wouldn't say i didn't buy like the when it came out on ps4 that they're trying to push it right now it's like i keep kind of like looking at i was like why why would i ever no, that's, a, that's a turlet game yeah. and yeah. i've got a ps4 and my god dang turlet that is yeah, yeah take exactly. a dump why would i ever take a dump in my living room <laughs> you can yeah. maybe we'll put it now marcus up. again i still have to lobby for my for my good boy uh obsidian entertainments fallout new vegas uh is the reason why you prefer Fallout 3 is because you already spent hundreds of hours in a desert killing things? <laughs> I come from the, more like the plains. It's more like the plains okay. than the desert. My mistake. Thank you. Yes, Thank you for yes. clarifying. But no, um, no, New Vegas was like New Vegas was like I totally get what you're saying as far as it like being a, a great game because it absolutely is. It's just uh, uh, Caesar slash Kaiser is like the most fucked up villain like is the best villain in the series and they were actually working on caesar in for the fallout 3 game that never was and that was one of the biggest things they pulled over it's really crazy like they were working on that game in the fucking 90s thinking it was going to come out and then the whole thing got canned because interplay right interplay 
yeah. fucked up and uh, went bankrupt and took their game away. So it's yeah. like this really crazy story. And then they came back. That you, you actually sit him down and you're like, why are you doing this? And he's like, oh, I picked Rome arbitrarily because I figured it was full of like weird foreign shit that like nobody was familiar with. So I could assimilate everyone and they'd all have to learn from the same like point zero and I can mold them in my image. I just resent the government. I like, I just will like slavery is like just great because you know, if people are slaves, then you can control them. And if you control people, you can build like he was just so like clear eyed and sane about being a fucking monster mm-hmm. that like it's it was the first time I really uh, encountered anyone in a video game that wasn't like King Koopa or a president robot or whatever the <laughs> hell the enclave was supposed to be. Um, and uh, yeah, there's the only way you can like even remotely talk your way out of it. Is just to like get to the general and be like, "Come on, California is real big, man. You're not gonna, you can't just like beat people up until you get all of it. It's gonna, it's too big." Yeah, and also Dave Foley was fucking amazing in Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. Oh wait, was he Yes Man? He was Yes Man. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh awesome! I need to play New Vegas. Z- I, I need to play Fallout Three, but unfortunately, it's real crashy on the PC. Yes, I think it's, it's Windows Ten especially. Uh, uh, Windows Ten. Uh, fa- I had a. Short excursion into the world of PC yes, gaming. We talked about recently. This recently, we talked yeah, about yeah. Oh, yeah. what'd you buy? What's, what was your rig? Uh, well, I I went like just I went and uh, did a lot of research. You of know, course, and, and, it's PC gaming. Yeah, it's PC gaming. I did I did a ton of research, and you know someone was gonna help me out like building a PC like um and you know he sent me all the specs and everything, but you know I'm very limited on time, uh so like name even one all-consuming project you're involved. With. <laughs> Uh, but all the reviews for like the new like Alienware yeah. were great, so I'm like, all right, well, I'll, you know, I'll get an Alienware, uh, and it uh, immediately ran slower than my three year old Mac, <laughs> uh, immediately, uh, and I was like, all right, well, you know, still like I'll do some calibrations and figure it out, and uh, I was like, but I want to play like Fallout Three point and click, like mm-hmm. that's day yeah. one, like yeah, that's yeah. what I want to do, uh, and then like I get it on Steam, it's like. Like immediately, just same here. And and so yeah, yeah, and so I went and like checked out, like typed it in, and it's all like how to run Fallout Three on Windows Ten, and it's like open an INI file and these three values. And I looked, I couldn't find any fucking (laughs) INI file. There weren't any INI files there. And then it's like, well, okay, so you got to go to GOG and and download that version because it's all in there. And I was. Instead of just making it to the start screen uh, with the GOG uh, version, I made it to the load screen ah, before it, it crashed. crashed again. It's only a matter of time before Blessed Todd, Beautiful Todd, Lord Above Todd uh, releases it for Switch, and I, then we'll all. Be and I was about to say, I just yeah. want—I would love for a Fallout Three remaster on like all consoles and stuff, like modern. I, I think it's going to happen eventually because they fucking sure as hell have been doing it with Skyrim. So yeah. I just would love a smooth-running, beautiful-looking Fallout Three. I don't know if they happen. can like because even Might to be this difficult. day, they're still like stuck in this weird engine that like they keep tacking on and like Frankensteining to look a little bit better. But it really is like it's the Gamebryo engine. Uh, there's a very specific like stutter, this weird movement in the Fallout games, and it's literally because this one engine outputs at a weird frame rate that like your monitor isn't supposed to like be able to like handle. Yeah, and they just never fixed that. Right, and like to recreate everything they've done in a new engine, like to do it in Unreal or Unity or whatever, they wouldn't use Unity. They're too they're too fancy. Um, would be a gigantic undertaking. It would. 
take more time than building a new Fallout game with their Frankenstein engine. That's true. But either way, thank you, Marcus, for joining us for the Fallout Part 2 experience, as we're calling this episode. Of course. Uh, Thank you you very much for having me. And may I officially go on the record uh, saying that Fallout 76 goes against everything that Fallout (laughs) is all about. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah, we're going to scream about that. Yes. Believe you me, in the next uh, uh, hour. Hey, Marcus, do you need a cigarette? Because you just... Just g- g- gush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll be back with uh, the the second part of this episode where we get, we go through uh, all the all the history of Fallout, the the rest of the making of Fallout Three because we started it last week and all the way up to sh- what it looks to be pretty shitty Fallout Seventy Six. Until then, keep on whizzing and never uh, stop. Wait, are, never are we, stop breezing. Never stop breezing. All right. Thank you. That's our sign up. Yeah, all right. You laugh now, but when we sell four t-shirts. <laughs> I don't want to set the world on fire. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of our second episode on Fallout. That wasn't confusing to say. Chapter one of part two of our <laughs> second podcast. Well, on we were Fallout. so, and thanks again to, to Marcus for joining us to lament the the wonder that was his experience and all of our experiences playing through the Fallout franchise. But now we're going to sit down and get to brass tacks about the history of uh, essentially taking from where we left off, uh, where we just got into. Fallout Part Three. Uh, part Three. Let's just talk about the third Fallout game on this, the second part of our <laughs> number two follow-up episode on Fallout. Nothing doesn't make sense about this or nothing else that isn't it. I'm on LSD. So we did talk about Todd Howard, but I wanted to speak first a little bit about some of his gaming philosophy that you turned me on to a really beautiful keynote speech he did. What was uh, 2009 at, um, what was it at? Uh, GDC, the Game Developers Conference. The Game Deve- Developers Conference. And I loved this. So look it up. It's on YouTube. But we have a truncated version of it, and this really feeds into our going more into Fallout 3 and, of course, New Vegas and everything else. I'm And, I, by the way, I cannot wait to tell the story of New Vegas because last week we left it off on this, like, super sad note with the people who made Fallout 2 with Fa- Black Isle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know there was a, a, a redemption tale. How did you not know? I don't the know. The company's called know. Obsidian. It's Black Isle. Black Obsidian is a black rock. It all, it's, it's, it's clearly. It's so good. All it's right. such a good, it because it's like Jake and I are like, oh, let's find the story. But there's never a story because it's real men's lives. And especially in video games, it's like he worked too hard and then he died. But <laughs> this is like a real tale. I could write it in a little screenplay and sell it. Uh, so the, the way this works out is, um, you know, Interplay crashes and burns. They flew too close to the sun and never got a popular console game hit. And uh, the team at Bethesda, those fucking nerds, uh, you know, they had post-apocalyptic as a setting they wanted to make with their Gamebryo engine that they and used they cl- for they Mark. clearly had adoration for specifically Fallout 1 and 2. Yes. I mean, it, everyone did it. Like, it was, it, it definitely filled the popular imagination. Uh, but, so, they're, 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 the first thing they worked on was the idea for a game called Apocalypse Road. Mm. And uh, Todd Howard talks about how he had logos made up and he was super jazzed and it was time to uh, make the big pitch to the publishers uh, you know, this is this is what we're going to do. It's called Apocalypse Road. One of the fucking suits in the back was like, uh, hey, I'm a filthy, uh, you know, predatory shark man. And uh, Interplay's fucked. 
I can probably get you the rights to Fallout. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they had been asking for years to get Fallout. They and Interplay was always like, no, 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 no cookie for you. And they were like, hey, give it. And they were like, no, 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 we still have some money. Uh, and then finally, they just went all the way. They went uh, tits up, as one says, and the whole company. And then Black Isle just got completely. I'm, I'm it was only to... a couple of million dollars, and like, like one point five. If I'm not mistaken, it was a 1.5 million dollar advance mm. on the uh, on the license. And you know, talking the the Black Isle people talk about how this game that they had been working on was kind of ripped away from them. That yeah. like yeah, they were working for Interplay, but like Fallout, even from the beginning, was just this isolated side project that they had worked on. Meanwhile, I found a uh, interview with uh, Todd Howard on um, this podcast run by one of the guys from Insomniac Games. And he was just like, oh, isn't that great? Video games are so great. You know, we want to make a Fallout game. And it turns out we can just make a Fallout game without the other guys. Like, we can just take the Fallout. Like, isn't this great? What a fun story. (laughs) And I was just like, ooh, Todd, you weird elf man. You don't understand. (laughs) Uh, But I... Still, they got the game, and honestly, they I feel like they did repay at least Black Isle with, with how they did New Vegas, at least there was that. That's the thing. Uh, Bethesda had no input on uh, hiring Obsidian for the next thing. Really? Yeah, that was completely Zenimax going over there, just asking for pitches, hmm. and uh, Obsidian had just a three-page thing going like, we're going to call it Fallout Sin City. This is where we're going with it. We know it's not a true sequel, so we'll stay on the West Coast, and it'll just be an expansion of your universe. Well, we'll get we'll get more into New Vegas in a little bit, but I wanted to go back and talk about the, the general Bethesda outlook for games, as I thought it was very fascinating, um, and about how uh, they had certain standpoints, like certain uh, posts, to signature what an excellent game is. Um, those mainly being they are not played, uh, they are played, not made. Uh, to keep it simple and to define the experience and uh, to, to define that a little bit more played not made that means you can have a great idea you can have a million great ideas you can build a design doc that is mind-blowingly incredible but it doesn't mean shit until you start playing the game that you created and actually finding out that that design doc is just inherently always going to be fucked in certain ways I feel like almost every video game we talk about it from Bioshock to like Legend of Zelda has these crazy design documents that immediately get thrown out the window always and you have to be able to uh one of my words that i like to use in in terms of a life philosophy you've got to be able to pivot you cannot get stuck on some uh you know ridiculous idea of what anything should be when you don't know what the future holds you know what i mean it's more important to man up than it is to plan up that's a jake fact one of my favorite things about this played not made thing is he said in the last five months of development for any game the entire art team because they're no longer creating assets they're all playing the game like they are all they're all essentially testing the game uh which i thought was really fascinating they even have properly managing your team so they art department is working on other stuff and Hire unionized game testers. But they're unionized just saying hey, they're unionized the game industry. But everybody's involved. I think it's cool. I no, think it's What that if they love noise. that part of it? I want to feed my family. But also, uh, the Wasteland Task Force is what they call it when, um, for the Fallout game specifically, when they would literally just have a bunch of people start somewhere on the map and walk in a straight line. We talked about this with Marcus. Um, but I thought I loved that, that, that it's like they're just in it, in it, in it. Um, doesn't uh, make it any less glitchy, but uh, uh, still, I thought. I just think that that was really interesting. To this me. was something really interesting that, uh, again, in the Todd talk, we'll just call it the Todd talk. Let's call it the Todd talk. Uh, that when they began the project, they kind of understood that they couldn't recreate 
the old game and that the old game was flawed and the old game was a little bit dated. And so in order to like capture the essence of what a Fallout game was, they actually went ahead and just read old reviews of the original games. Because those still I loved existed. That. I loved that. That was one of my favorite things. Because just, it's the only way to get like pure time travel, bias-free, uh, purely what they testimony. liked about the game and what they didn't like about the game, as a, a, without the sense of like, well, it's just super fucking dated, you know. Like if you go to play like original Tomb Raider, it's just impossibly oh dated. Like it just is. But you didn't know that back in the time. This is a. Tr- a tough thing about video games kind of a hard thing for me even right now I'm trying to play some older games like um Dishonored and I've got Sleeping Dogs I'm sitting on these aren't even that old but they're still immediately dated they just look old oh they, even they, Dishonored it looks a little it's it's still awesome I'm loving yeah. it but it's hard sometimes for me to start a game like that because immediately I'm like I'm not playing the newest shit it doesn't look it, and feel like the new shit not and even it, that just the quality of life things just small UI things UI bits, small things they learn about, like how to make a tutorial and how to yeah. like get to the action is constantly iterated upon. It's, it, you know, the games industry is this hyper, the giant octopus of machinery just meant to give you adventure and pleasure and they are constantly improving. So Ew. yeah, I guess. Even- and he's got like an adventure tentacle and a pleasure tentacle and he's just jabbing at you with it, just the- sliming you up with those tentacles. Ideally, the best video game will just be two prongs. You stick up each nostril <laughs> that just tickle your brain without any input. But it, it, it has to belong to a robotic octopus or it's not. You're a good man. <laughs> tickle, 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 tickle. Mygo says he wants to give you pleasure today by the way, the octopus's name is Mygo. Um, either way, though, another thing I love that they talk about is uh, that they have a culture uh, in the office that's very important to me. They have a what he called a no-asshole quotient, where it's not about people who are super geniuses, who are walking all over other people. What they want is for you to be cool and fun to work with and solve problems well. That's all they care about. They don't care how smart you are, how brilliant you are at it. If you're a fucking dick... They don't have time for that, and I love hearing that sort of philosophy from offices because you go, you you look at other offices in video games and anything where they don't have that quite as much, and it's like that's so important to me in terms of a working environment. That's interesting. You, said I think that. Jake is nice. In other words, is what I'm saying. Oh, Holden is a is a person who has never once slapped me in the mouth. I've never had a rage issue. No, we are two non angry men. <laughs> um, We're like that play, the non angry men. <laughs> <laughs> um, the that's weird you said that because in a lot of uh, other Todd interviews I took I've imbued myself with a lot of Todd I have big Todd energy Ugh. walking into the studio I am Elvin I talk don't openly about big, how I don't see my kids very often don't say big Todd energy all right I'm Todd blocking you right now okay <laughs> uh, how can you block that which is everything <laughs> um the uh he says that a big thing in the culture at Bethesda is that people are very critical that actually, like, mm. everyone from each... But that's different. That's not being mm. a dick. But keep going. That, you know, uh, he's often vilified, especially by old school fans. Like, you know, people are so invested in this universe, and he has established himself as this figurehead that, you know, Bethesda has been sh- shat on. I've sh- Literally, last episode, I shat on Bethesda. Oh, we're going to shit on Bethesda again today. It's yeah. going to happen constantly. Uh, and, like, he's... <laughs> 
you know, the idea that he hasn't heard directly to his face by a trusted friend stuff that was even more like devastating is like apparently, you know, that was his big kind of like brush off on Internet fans. One of my big philosophies in Murder Fist that I that I feel like he did expound on in the talk that he gave the the um, the Ted, the Todd talk, Todd talk. Uh, uh, was admitting your mistake is essential and you need to be immediately ready to trash what your great idea. You know what I mean? Because it just not isn't going to work on the project. Well, I always said when working in Murder Fist, writing sketch comedy, that like no sketch is precious. You're going to write a million sketches. Your sketch is not some uh, end-all, be-all, brilliant thing. You need to be ready to rip it apart, scrap it completely, totally rewrite it, or let other people rewrite it. And that is a part of the process because if you're not doing that, then you're refusing to get better. You know, and and it's a real problem I see, especially with uh, writers and comedy writers who are supposed to work together. It becomes very hard because a lot of people, especially at first, I think it's a weakness to think, oh, this sketch I wrote is just so good. It's going to go so good. And when and and refuse to hear it when someone else is like, actually, uh," you know what I mean? What are you saying? This point I made is bad. It made me (laughs) come so hard. Exactly. Exactly. So anyways, I tell me my dick is wrong, bro. (laughs) Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Jay. I'm telling you, your fucking dick is wrong, dude. I respect you as a friend, and I appreciate your candor. Fallout 3 is set in half of Washington, D.C., and they originally wanted to do all of it, but they proved that that would be too time-consuming because they know how to pivot. Let's get into the world of Fallout 3, talk about some of the creation of the game now. Now that we've talked about general game design, some of the people involved, I have I have some great quotes on world creation. I love world creation. Mm-hmm. It is so fascinating to hear it, whether it's Patrick Rothfuss talking about it or here, you know, Jared Tolkien, you know, all the big fantasy guys um, or or hearing game designers talk about because it it's a different approach with game designers. It's more it's more visceral in a way because they're building these monuments and these things. And Bethesda, of course, if you didn't gather it without even hearing about the history of it, of course, before they get anywhere near the story of the game. They start with just the world itself, and they let that lead the story. Oh, um, they made tons and tons of concept art. Yes. Like, just trying to nail down the feeling. Uh, in fact, a lot of those, like, I remember actually living in D.C. at the time, and there were all these posters on the Metro of these, like, bombed-out, shelled-out, like, decrepit, post-apocalyptic landmarks. And it was, like, kind of fucked up. <laughs> uh, especially because, you know, at the time, we were still in a very, like, war-on-terror uh, kind of mindset so it was kind uh-huh. of just seeing the like the u.s congress building just covered in like slime was always just like <laughs> yeah well here's a good todd howard quote on world creation we usually start with a big map of the world and discuss who are the people there what are the settlements what are the factions and then what are their goals and a lot of the individual quests and scenarios come out of that but we usually start with designing the world as opposed to the particular narrative thread running through that world you know like what's the coldest world to play coolest rather world to play in and then we kind of go from there so at the end of the day when the game is done everything feels connected in some way as opposed to a bunch of random elements that don't really tie together they really really also are working with like an insanely large space and i loved hearing the connections between this and i believe it was fallout one where they started with one area of land and then they just expand they were like whoa whoa this is like way crazy scale and then they expanded it and then they're like oh we have all this extra space now we need to uh fill it with stuff you know and just having artists create assets and putting it into the world and that begins to inform a story and then in turn the story gets written out of it 
I think that's such an interesting thing. Um, they also had Emil Pagliar- Pagliarulo. Pagliarulo, either way, was hired from Looking Glass Studios, who worked on System Shock. He uh, wrote the script. Um, he also had helped with the uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion script. And he used the first Fallout as the main model for what he wrote. Um, and his big themes were sacrifice and survival, which I think you see a lot in the game. It's It's... Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, essentially about just staying alive, but also about what people are willing to give up or what people are, who people are willing to fuck over to stay alive. Um, I guess uh, as long as we're talking about world building and like the early stages of development, sure. uh, it should be. I, it, I have to make a point to talk about uh, Adam Adamowitz, uh, who was the concept artist for a lot of Fallout Three, and not only just like locations, but like what the vault costume was going to look like, what the weapons kind of look like, uh, stuff like the new super mutants and the centaurs and all these like wicked monsters, like yeah. the actual like the even like the way that to this day Fallout mutants kind of carry themselves and how. The, uh, the Wastelanders are all kind of hodgepodge together. This is all the work of this one guy. Um, they put out, I mean, they had a lot of other concept artists, but uh, they put out a like 200 page Art of Fallout 3 book. And uh, unfortunately, he had uh, died at a young age of lung cancer a couple years after the oh, game had so come out. I'm so sad to hear that. Yeah. So if you, if you want to like really understand how much impact one person can have on like not just a video game, but like almost pop culture itself. It's definitely worth looking at his old concept art. You can find it online. That's awesome. Um, Here's another quote from Howard. Uh, This is about the exploration, and it sort of uh, refers to what I abbreviated earlier, but he actually spells it out a lot better here. There was a point at which we doubled the size of the wasteland. We felt it was too small, and we wanted there to be more space between things, so it felt desolate. And when we first did that, it felt really empty. It got kind of boring, but we liked how big it was. So we had a bunch of meetings and brainstormed different things we could put out in the wasteland, and our artists and designers went through and added all of those things. After we were done adding all that stuff, we needed to have everyone walk around and see how it felt. So we all went out in different directions and were like, whoa, this is awesome, this is great. That sense of exploration and that's probably what we do best. If I had to pick something we do really well, I think it's that. That was a moment when you're like, okay, this is going to be really cool because we were worried about that. A big, open, destruction-filled wasteland has a high chance of getting boring. If you don't do it right, I think we pulled it off. And, and I think that that is so great. And this is the pivot I'm talking about. It's, okay, we're going to make a decision because, you know, we need to make decisions. All right, we're going to make it this big. Okay, but that affects the balance. That affects what what this is all about. So now we need to sit down and have a meeting where we're going to keep the first decision as opposed to seeing it was too big and going, whoa, 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 no, no, no. You know, instead they're like, no, we like how big it is. So we're not going to just change it just because it's empty. Let's fill it. And and like go, and that's the process as opposed to having any kind of rigid guideline that informs exactly what the game's going to be. Because when it has that, I feel like the game, the product becomes out rigid and shitty. In fact, the focus on the waste, like they understood that the the real draw in the game, the real power in the game was in the wasteland because they had built up, you know, another big thing they wanted to do was make fucked up Washington, D.C. because it's Bethesda. They're in a suburb of Washington, D.C. They even made the Bethesda game studio in the game. You can like visit there. That's awesome. Um, but uh, they took out huge chunks of downtown D.C., like six months worth of like models and level editing and like all this work had been done because they knew it was a weak link that wasn't as compelling as the rest of the game. So there's like 
uh, people will criticize the game, especially like the metro tunnels and the way that the downtown DC area is kind of more confined than it like really should be. Mm. There was like twice as much of that in the game that they just again he pulled the band aid and was like, "This doesn't work. We got to get rid of it." Hmm. Other things they added, uh, some some very exciting things, was the VATS system. Well, well, well VATS. No, oh, the special system they kept. Vats they added. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I mean, I they, love that they what kept they added special, to the special though. system was running around like a baby for forty minutes before you can play the fucking game. <laughs> um, yeah, they kept the special system and added onto it the Vats system, so they could take the RPG feel that Fallout One had, the turn-based style, and give it that real-time action feeling that they needed to give it. Which Vats is really brilliant when you think about it, because it just—it's like this perfect in-betweener melding where you can actually sit and you don't have an unlimited time to think about what you want to do, but you can at least. You know, it pa- if you don't know, it pauses the game, it slows down the gameplay, uh, and allows you to target a single body part and use up what, the, what is in the game called AP or action points. You can use up a certain amount of them to shoot different parts of the enemy you're fighting, and it'll, you know, it can like paralyze their arms, they drop their weapon, it can like hit, you can hit them in the leg, and it'll make them like falter, you can blow their brains out. So, yeah. And yeah, the big cinematic. At the t- now, they seem very silly. Yeah, but uh, th- at the time, those big cinematic like head explosions were pretty fucking cutting edge. And they knew from looking at the old reviews that the like, even though it's very pixelated and silly, the over the top gore of uh-huh. the, those original Fallout games slow-mos. were a selling point. That yeah, was oh, something yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that people like really. I uh, you know remembered. And then they took out the child murder because they're a bunch of wuss bags. <laughs> uh, and and also when you think about it though, I mean, what are they competing with? Like Call of Duty for shooters, mm-hmm. like Counter Strike. I mean, you're ne- if you're going to be a big sprawling RPG, there's no way you're going to make the shooting real time feel as good. There's no way. No. I mean, you can still do it, and I love that the options there to do real time shooting. But at the end of the day, the Vats solves that problem. It's like, oh, we're not about real time shooting. Like this is, is an RPG. There is math. Yeah, there math is, is happening. Exactly, and and I think that that is actually great. I think that solves a lot of problems for them. Um, and uh, yeah, they kept in companions as as you're probably aware including dog meat from the previous games um and they kept what i love to though your companions could die which was such a boneheaded move what i love to though nobody which- wants to watch your dog die <laughs> nobody wants that i had i had so many stories of fallout 3 players on pc who just like had to quick save every five fucking seconds because the they had to die. fucking keep this dog That's alive so um and also what i love they kept they kept that like weird chipper in-game marketing the 50s style like chipper advertisee style stuff and the, the, from the original Fallout Oh, game. that was the the way they handled the Pip-Boy and the yeah. UI was a huge like focus on them because they knew if in an RPG you spend a lot of time futzing with inventory and stats. So they had to make it as compelling and like uh, smooth to transition into. So and the idea that it literally pops... You know, you don't enter a menu as much as you look down at your wrist. And purposely light and peppy, which is like a good contrast to the dark, muddy world you're in. Uh, I have a great quote from Howard on this. Well, we kind of need it, you know. We need the happy, cheery stuff to offset because if it were all just destruction, it would be a big downer. So we find they work really well together for the story. You see you see a destroyed school and you walk in and there are bad people living there now. It's like an elementary school. There's one right outside the vault and you're going through it and there's the poster with the duck and cover and the turtle yelling, uh, yelling at you to get under the desk and you laugh at 
a little bit and then you're like this is bad like they were all really naive so that kind of works on multiple levels and it's true I think it really was probably the most compelling thing for me in terms of getting into Fallout was that dark humor um that that uh, and and that that just art style of the Pip-Boy mm-hmm. and everything I love uh Fallout 4's perk chart like I love that that mm-hmm. big kind of it looks like a big poster of all the different perks and I just thought that was it's and every and when you like uh, highlight one, it'll like animate a little bit, and and I just think it's so good. Um, it, it it just comes off so well. So, anyways, um, one of the one of the things though that uh, I feel like they just really did drop the ball on is like the plot. Uh huh. Like I, I like the Fallout Three plot where like you're you're following your dad. You know, you're looking for Liam Neeson and like all you got to, you know, so much of the game is people being like, oh, yeah, Liam Neeson. He did this and this. You should go there and then you go there and like you're filling out quests the whole time. And like, you know, even like you're not doing anything. You're just kind of like sitting back and watching while like this greater conflict between like even when it's time to take down the enclave, like you don't do anything. You like watch as the Brotherhood gets Liberty Prime to do it for you uh-huh. and it's all kind of weird and they and in the first version of the game they've since like patched this because so many people were complaining about it you had to kill yourself or like make someone else do it <laughs> um famously uh fox the uh the super mutants uh whose whole deal is they're immune to radiation there's a sequence where you send fox into like do something in an irradiated area mm-hmm. will literally like just go like no I can't I can't this is your destiny or something <laughs> can't do it sorry <laughs> um the music was composed by Enon Zur who we haven't really I don't think we've talked about I'm yet not even he's he started out in film television and television um and he uh, won a Telly Award for best score on Power Rangers Turbo. And then he got into scoring um, in video games in 2000 with a few Star Trek games, as well as Fallout Tactics, Brotherhood of Steel, which is what kind of brought him in towards this. Um, he conceived the soundtrack based on what the player would perceive on a psychological level rather than what they see, and I think they do nail that. I love the music in the Fallout games. Um, it feels so epic and so dangerous, you know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, he also... Uh, the game, of course, also features that sentimental 1940s American big band music that every game during that time seemed to just embrace with open arms, Bioshock and uh, uh, some others. But, uh, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's no better, like, juxtaposition than, like, walking around in, like, filth and decay, listening to music, being like, everything's peachy, everything's great. Exactly. Nothing's ever going it's to just, mutate just, and eat my face. It just works. Like, just like he was the, that Howard quote from before about the 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 lightness just goes so well. And they finally reason. did get, uh, I don't want to set the world on fire by the ink spots. Yes. They got to use it. Yes. Hey, everybody. Holden here. And today I want to talk to you about a new investing app called Robinhood. Robinhood lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies all commission-free. As you might be able to tell by the name, they strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. If you're like me, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to the stock market, and this app offers a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers like myself to invest for the first time with true confidence. How do you ask? I'd be happy to tell you. 
It's mainly due to its clear design interface with data presented in an easy to digest way. I was definitely hesitant when I first started out, but quickly found myself easily navigating around different stocks of interest because they use easy to understand charts and market data so you can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Also, you can discover new stocks and track favorite companies with a personalized news feed. Other brokerages charge up to like $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. And right now, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at wizard.robinhood.com. That's wizard.robinhood.com and start investing today. So anyways, also there was a real life resistance group called No Mutants Allowed that lashed out at the new game and it's a uh, deviation from the original too. So uh, I love that there were those, that that one ground team uh, on the internet that was really just getting out there and, and singing the cause for the first two. No, because the, the people who were deep, so Bethesda from the beginning was like, we need, you know, even at its height, Fallout, the Fallout games didn't sell that many copies and Bethesda was like, we want to make a game that more people can enjoy. So by its very nature, they're going to deviate from all the stuff that the uh, hardcore fans used to love um, and try and translate what like stood out to this new audience. Ah. Like they, you know, they were they made their choice and um, it still got weird reactions like PS3 release was buggy despite their best efforts because the PS3 is this hardware just Cthuloid monster to program for. And uh, even in Japan. Like, even with the softer, like, you know, more universally popular, friendly face they were putting on the Fallout series, they took out the child murder. But in Japan, they, like, almost banned the game because you could nuke people. Yeah. And, like, for some reason, the country of Japan is really, like, touchy about nuking whole cities. But they have so many animes about it. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's, that's Fallout 3, I think. Do you have anything else before we move on to New Vegas? I mean, we've, we've, uh, I think, for me, I think we've covered it pretty well. Uh, yeah, that's, I feel like that's about it. We, we've handled a lot of this in the gush, so we don't have so to. So here's my story that I just love that I had was such a surprise to me. So when Bethesda gets the license to make Fallout 3, that included two sequels. Three years later, they purchased Fallout, the purchase, uh, the Fallout intellectual property altogether. Now, the main Bethesda crew at this point in our story is hard at work on Skyrim, so they reached out to Obsidian Entertainment. But you said that it was, it was. Uh, I love that this also. Mm. Did they do it? Did uh, Xanax? Xanax? Did Zenimax? Zenimax? Did they purposely? Uh, I reach think out they, to Obsidian based on Fallout 2, or were they literally just like reaching out to different devs? I think they were reaching out to different devs, and they just had the best pitch. Uh, but it's yeah, awesome. when confronted about it, like they all every all the Bethesda, uh, Danny o, Danny o Dwyer did a um, a Fallout uh, or not? A, he did a Bethesda mini doc, mm. and like mm-hmm. it's they are everyone ve- check out No Clip. It's yeah. phenomenal. It's on YouTube. Um, you know they're very adamant. Like that was all corporate. That was not us. We had nothing to do with it. Like, well, it was e- not even our idea to tap Obsidian. Either way, Obsidian just happens to be the ex-Black Isle employees um, that uh, were working on fall- the original Fallout 3. Van Buren, it was uh, titled, under a, that was the code name for it. Um, after uh, uh, their company went over under, uh, Fergus Urquhart, I love that he's still in our story, uh, Chris Avalone, Chris Parker, Darren Monahan, and Chris Jones, they all went and formed Obsidian Entertainment. 
I think Leonard Boyarski also got thrown in the mix there. They were working on Baldur's Gate 3, The Black Hood, um, and, and that was canceled. That had been under development for a year and a half, and they left in 2003 and formed Obsidian. Their first big project was with LucasArts creating a sequel for Knights of the Old Republic, um, Knights of the Old Republic 2 or KOTOR 2, the Sith Lords. And then the, after that, they started working on Neverwinter Nights 2 for Atari, and they became known... This interesting pocket of video game development, they became known as the guys who come in and make the sequel to your game. And they made Fallout 2, of course. They didn't make Fallout 1. They become known for KOTOR 2. Um, and they also have this philosophy where they essentially love to just hear the fans gripe about the game they love. And then, like, use all of that as, as, as a big basis for their design doc, Right. That's pretty brilliant. It's pretty great, right? And and so they became known as those dudes who just swoop in and make that good sequel. And KOTOR 2, arguably not as, right? I think it's arguably not as good as the first one. I, but that's people a still really, spot. right? People really dig it, right? It's not like. People like it. Yeah, yeah it's I, an argument maybe more than um, a, a definite thing, you know? I mean, I think I've heard great things about both of those games. Um, so while working with Sega on what would end up being a subpar game named Alpha Protocol, they were contacted by Bethesda to work on a Star Trek game, which never came to fruition. Uh, later, they came back to Obsidian to work on New Vegas, since they all had worked on Fallout 2. Or at least that's what I have in here, but I love the fact that maybe it wasn't because of that. Um and they were known for making these sequels, like I said. Urquhart said, we get to go play in someone else's world. And they really liked that. Getting to just, like, take someone else's realized thing and just go dabble in it and fuck with it and have fun with it. And I see the draw to that. I think that'd be a lot of fun, you know? No, nothing's shittier than a blank page. It's like getting to write, like, fan fiction professionally for your favorite video game with your own video game version of it, you know? So, uh, yeah, they they uh, they reached out to players. They got a lot of design choices from them. And one of the big ones that we talked about with Marcus was making um, nobody, none of the factions in the games, either good or evil, but really more just rivals with each other. If you piss off one or you if you make one happy, you might piss off another one a little bit and vice versa. And it's more of a triangle of action. And there's never and I, rarely are they like, fuck off, like completely. You know what I mean? It's more just like, well, we're a little less happy with you. Um, there actually is, uh, I found this today, there is a, another GDC talk. Nice. Uh, if you want to hear people who made a video game talk about how they made a video game, go to the GDC archives. Uh, Joshua Sawyer, who was, uh, he wasn't the writer. There was another guy, Josh Gonzalez, I believe, or George Gonzalez, uh, wrote Fallout New Vegas. Uh, but he was in charge of the dialogue trees. He was in charge of making sure that all these separate factions and decisions and like conversation trees led organically from one another and like that the whole game fit logically. Hmm. And uh, it is a deep philosophical thing that they had to put together about how to set their game differently and how to make player choice feel like it has consequences. And um, whereas in Fallout 3, uh, you know, it was the karma system where it's like, good. Bad, good, bad. Uh, this one, you know, the, the it's it's muddy. Like uh, uh, they describe uh, the character of Kaisar as terrifyingly sane, because like even because the bad guys don't think they're the bad guys. Yes, and that's the whole thing. Avalone, uh, who worked on the game, said I wanted the player to at least 
consider an alternate perspective, even if they didn't agree with it. It makes an antagonist more well-rounded. And, and apparently, Obsidian's motto for gamers, in terms of the more complexity stuff, they don't want to be overwhelmed, uh, but that doesn't mean you can't lead them down the road of enjoying a complex system. So, in other words, Bethesda, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get with Fallout 3. And that's what Marcus loved about it. But Fallout New Vegas, for other types of players, they were purposely more complicated, mm-hmm. more complex. And they wanted to sort of Dark Souls you maybe a little bit more, in other words, like before oh, yeah. they had a name for it, right? And say, no, we're going to kind of give you some stuff to work with here, right? And we trust that you'll get there with it. But that'll turn off some of your player base. So there's always the push and pull of those two things. Um Originally, they wanted to set it in between Fallout 2 and 3, but Bethesda rejected that. However, they did greenlight it being set in Vegas, uh, giving it this West Coast storyline. But I think that works. I was going to say this during our chat. We kind of so much has said it. I think doing more like parallel storytelling is better with this franchise and universe than worrying too much about the timeline. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I don't really care what the timeline is personally. Just, yeah, I want I want my own. I want each game to just be like, this is happening in a completely different place during this same time period you know it's why in every uh fallout game when you encounter the brotherhood they're just like wait i thought the brotherhood was like the and always always like oh no we we, we're a splinter group we we're here now because of reasons (laughs) where uh fallout 3's storyline was based on uh sacrifice and survival theirs was based on greed and excess really leaning into the vegas thing it was originally their working title was sin city um, and, uh, yeah, we, uh, it was an 18 month dev cycle. You have Josh Sawyer was the director. Um, and he apparently fought for the original fallout three, uh, at black Isle until the bitter end. So it's mm. badass that he got to be this director on this other, new there, fallout you can game. find a workable demo of Van Buren online. They like released that code and it, it looks, it basically looks like fallout one and two, but it's made out of polygons. So like at first you're like, Oh, Okay. It's uh, isometric, not isometric. It's cavalier projection. And then you can actually rotate the rooms that like Mm. it it actually does a lot of interesting things because as you rotate it, it stays in that weird like top down perspective and keeps everything neat. I actually don't quite understand how they did that. Uh, They also I love this. They took a note from Bethesda and made it so this is like a big Bethesda rule from any one landmark. You can uh, you need to be able to see at least three other landmarks. Which I think is a neat, oh, yeah. like, yeah. Um, so they were really intent on that. You've got incredible voice acting. Ron Perlman, Wayne Newton, who played DJ Mr. New Vegas. Matthew Perry, Chris Christopherson. Matthew Perry didn't do as great of a job. Danny Trejo and Felicia Day, just to name a few. Matthew- Zachary Levi as Arcade Gannon, uh, who was the gay follower of the apocalypse doctor who you could sell into slavery. And that's, don't do that. But that was played by, uh, Z- yeah, Zachary Levi, who's going to be Shazam. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Enon Zur returns to do the score. There are also three radio stations with country, jazz, and classical dating back around the 40s and 50s. And they snuck in some music from Fallout 1 and 2, which I think is a great, per- the perfect game to do that in. Um, but the definitely the big criticism of the game, besides the ones we've already talked about, was that it was uh, full of bugs. I mean, that's I mean that's a Bethesda slash Fallout issue in general anyway, so it's not like it's, it's like that so new many thing. systems interacting with each other that it's bound to fall apart this again this gamebryo engine that they had was like originally an off-the-shelf third-party product that was supposed to be made for like basically third-rate mmorpgs it's very weird that this became the basis of their empire the the, the um, oh, whole other thing that makes fallout vegas amazing the song 
Big Iron on His Hip by Marty Robbins uh, is quite possibly the best wandering around the wasteland as a cool badass song in the history of songs. Uh, Mary, if you can play a couple of bars of that. (laughs) 20 men had tried to take him, 20 men had made a slip, 21 would be the ranger with the big iron on his hip. Big iron on his head. Oh, so good. Also, the game established a new record for the most lines of dialogue in a single-player action role-playing game with 65,000. It's, 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 there's a lot of dialogue. It really lets you, like, this is even inconsequential characters. You, I'm, well, the, that's I can't tell if that's, like, a plus or a minus that in Fallout games. You can, like... Re- like what should be just a quick like I've caught you villain becomes this yeah like, sometimes I become impatient with that but I'm working on my patience in, Jake in Fallout 3 like there's uh, the town of Andel which is like this weird little neighborhood where they're eating people spoiler alert mm. um, and like you catch them you found the bags of strange meat you found the murder weapons you like caught them and then you can just like chit chat with the head of the cannibal cult <laughs> it's very weird um so anyways fallout new vegas i love that obsidian aka black isle got to return to the franchise i hope they get to come back too i think it's, it's so fucking cool that's one of the like the great wishes of fallout fans is that someday any day um they'll let Obs- obsidian do this again yeah uh which and they've since come out with like uh pillars of eternity and like all this other thing and those games still tons of bugs tons of weird exploits because they want to give you all this complexity and yeah it's i mean to- that that is a bethesda issue not just obsidian it is and i don't know if it'll be solved and i think the big issue now for fallout in general that i know like jeff gersman from giant bomb talked about a lot in his semi-negative review it's just like okay I was originally gamers were willing to put up with it, but then we got used to like what the what you're presenting, and it's it, it, is this a solvable problem? Is is can you have a world this huge and have it be this tight, awesome experience, but give everybody all these amazing options that you're giving them, but have it not be like floating NPCs <laughs> and just like non game crashes and just nonsense happening left and just right that just um, doors you're, you're tr- that just stop locked like whole, that just will, won't open the whole point yeah especially broken quest lines because that shit fucking sucks for a completionist type person like me and on top of that um you know to to have it just uh is it doable can you do it I guess is more what I, what I'm what I'm saying. I feel it's, like fans of Fallout and of uh, the Elder Scrolls games uh, will always be willing to like put up with the bugs because it is as close as you can get to that beautiful dream. This is this keeps coming up the beautiful dream of like the purely virtual world right. that you can just a hundred percent just check the fuck out into. And that's what I was gonna say. It's like the whole point of what the product that bethesda is presenting is like it's this immersive world it's massive it's sprawling and we want you to get lost in it we want you to just like but that's impossible when like the dragon's upside down you know you know what i mean like what it just constantly left and right okay yes the dragon's upside down uh two of my save files have been deleted and uh there's this weird humming noise that won't go away even when i fast travel to another part of the map but you know what's not here my uh my weird racist uncle and my cat with feline leukemia. I'm happy. <laughs> um, so, anyways, Fallout New Vegas. Just uh, kidding. He's not racist. Uh, is you sure? Uh, he's a uh, he just he just thinks America should take care of its own. <laughs> so, Fallout Four created on the Creation Engine. No more Gamebryo. 
Um, Creation Engine is uh, just Bethesda's version of the Gamebryo Engine. Well, whatever. It's okay. different-ish, Ish. kind of. Ish. It's name. It has a different name. It does have a different name. All right. If 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 I came in, I was Brian. Tomorrow, I'd be different. But you'd be made of Holden. But I'd be Brian. But you, you but would I'd have built better sh- shadows and lighting. You would have better shadows and lighting and um, better integration with the Havoc engine. And Creation Engine was uh, also used for Skyrim. It boasted a very detailed character creation system. It had a much further draw distance, things like that. As I said, better lighting, better shadows, um, more dynamic dialogue cho- choices with NPCs. Um, and uh, the main characters were fully voiced, which was super new. I remember that. We talked about some of this earlier. The settlement creation was big. Um, Certain things that I'm not as into, they were like, look, you can build your own shack. And I'm like, I hate doing that. Can I not do that and still have fun in the game? They were like, no, there's a settlement in trouble. And I was like, is there going to be a, is it never ending? Yes, it's never ending. Why are you talking to me right now? Am I, you know, and Lexi's like, who are you talking to, Holden? Who are you talking to? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I but you get to you get to sell your rat carcasses at Fenway Park, so that's pretty fun. There's a little ghost that lives in my penis, <laughs> and I talk to it. Why is it there? I don't know. <laughs> it's into it. It likes it. <laughs> All right. Can we please for a moment? There were mods available for the PlayStation and the Xbox. This is the part of the show where we get punchy because we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, Once again, Bethesda made enemies because they wanted paid mods and mm-hmm. it all. That was the whole thing. They keep, it's so weird how they just can't quite, like, just, I get it. You're a big company. You own several other studios. Just do the Devolver thing. Just just go on Reddit, find out what people are screaming about, and just give them the fucking shit. So Todd Howard compl- claims uh, the first asset for Fallout 4 was actually created one week after the final Fallout 3 DLC back in 2009, and it was a picture of power armor. That gives it technically a six-year development cycle, even though I'm sure they were hard at work on the Elder Scrolls game, so they weren't working too hard on it at first. Um, but very early on, they envisioned that awesome opening. I think that opening's great, putting you... In the day that the bombs fell in, in a, a, a freeze chamber, you know, I thought that was really cool storytelling. It's, I mean, you have to like, it's, it's kind of maudlin the way you have to like watch your wife get shot in the fucking dome. Uh-huh. Uh, but even with, but here's the thing, uh, even though that opening, I, I'm like a little eh on it, uh, it did give us uh, the McElroy Brothers uh, Monster Factory <laughs> and the final Pam, and that's great. <laughs> Uh, clean the baby. <laughs> um, they also very early on decided it would be on Bo- in Boston as, as the location, which is um, they did a huge location scout. Big teams going out there, taking pictures and everything. Writer uh, Emil Pagliarulo comes back for the writing. He grew up in Boston, so he was super psyched when this happened. Oh, yeah. And um, he even has landmarks from his childhood in there, like a sub shop that he loved and a train station. And he even went as far as to add his own chi- uh, house and childhood bedroom to uh, – uh, the game and nobody really like generally players don't really know where it is but it's there um and i think that's really cool and uh plus the uh they, they established in fallout 3 the institute and the synth problem so like that was part of the lore already uh-huh they also their goal was to make the gunplay feel like destiny uh which was a big deal for them which it doesn't really do that because Des- destiny's gunplay is 
Mwah, very good. Um, but they even recruited Josh Hamrick from Bungie, who focused on just tuning the firearms. And boy, were there a ton of them as they added all those weapon mods. That was actually originally supposed to be for like the modding community. That was supposed to be like add-on type stuff later on. But they decided to make it an integral part of the game. And I did really like that part of the game. Um and yeah, uh, uh, here's another great quote from lead level designer Joel Burgess on location creation. Early on, we say, okay, we want maybe these two dozen key locations for story and location reasons. But then we can look at that list and say, we're making these pieces of art so we can could use more factories or another academic building. We end with a list of 150 to 200 locations going from your huge locations to small locations. So it's like scattered big landmarks. And then in between the smaller things, and then and and then and how to spice these up and make these all really interesting for for story stuff, story dictating some areas. What if we added more bloat flies? Sure. Yeah, put some bloat flies over there. But can we put a little ghost penis in there? Wait, is now is the penis the ghost or is the ghost in the? I pe- don't know. It speaks. <laughs> I don't know. I tried to punch through it and I just hit it. The Exorcist episode was two was two weeks ago. <laughs> people are having a good time with it. People are liking that one. It's very heartwarming when people uh, write us and th- let us know they like the episode. Um, another philosophy at Bethesda that I fucking love is if you develop a game right, the game is a reflection of you which I think is exactly what Marcus talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you play, what you look like, what you do. And that's exactly what Marcus was talking about. Although people really cool. were critical of Fallout 4 because it really did, uh, for the it sake... It was too narrow, yeah. Yeah, for the sake of uh, playability, for the sake of uh, getting it on consoles, having a smooth experience on consoles, they really did kind of chunk out a lot of the role-play uh, uh, efforts in there because, like... Even the even in the character creation, even in that opening sequence, like you are a suburban dude who like uh, is looking for his son and is like, you know, like all these things are kind of uh, given to you. Whereas in other Fallout games, you're just kind of this naive mount, like either this vault dweller who just has nothing to go on because you lived your life in captivity Uh or the courier who's just a -a workaday person that you can build any backstory for. Uh, it, It kind of like cuts out a lot of that very deep like who am i in this wasteland kind right. of uh, uh role playing aspect right right um yeah so that's pretty much what i have for fallout 4 i mean there's other things uh, you know there were it was followed up with multiple dlcs it was released on november 10th we didn't touch any of the dlcs which is i feel bad i'm I sorry i feel bad cuz i feel like i heard far harbor and nuka world were pretty fun and and pretty cool cool times and i should maybe that might actually convince me to go back and play it even uh even the older uh stuff like old world blues yeah and all, this, like, all the I, dlcs on all that we should just shout outs to the dlcs on all of the fallout games they're all uh, have been uh, i'm sure some of them great. are bad please don't yell at me um and yeah uh i think that's about it for that we we i could talk about fallout shelter i'm gonna just briefly we talked about it. It's on mobile. You build your own vault. It's not even really that great. But I will say this. On June 21st, 2018, Bethesda oh, Softworks sued Warner Brothers Entertainment over their game, uh, over their Westworld game for mobile based on the TV show. Uh, and they alleges that uh, it has the same or highly similar game design, art style, animations, features, and other gameplay elements. But the and kicker. And my favorite part. The kicker. Can you want to say it? Well, the... Um, the thing is, is that, you know, Bethesda didn't didn't make Fallout Shelter. They licensed it and, like, put it out to another a third studio, a third party, to actually make the game. And uh, then when 
uh, HBO approached the same studio to make their version of this game, uh, their one job was that it had to be a new game. You can't just like give someone else a game you made for another publisher uh, with a skin on top of it. And they found exact same bugs from Fallout Shelter in the Westworld game. Which proves that they just ripped code and just like pasted it into I, the new one. It's so amazing. So we, I think that lawsuit is probably still active, right? So it's, it's, allegedly, everything we just Bethesda's said is allegedly, in, allegedly. Bethesda was involved in scrolls in the in that fucking uh, website. But that that's the thing. That's the thing is they're too corporate, man. Yeah. Fucking Todd with his fucking elf face is just being like, I love you know. We got to streamline and keep things simple, and and you know we know all these rules about player agency, and it's just too fucking corporate man i think you're working for the man man that's what i think you take that back i'm not taking I ain't it never back. held a job in my life <laughs> i kick puppies i'll just i drink soda straight from the fountain without a cup <laughs> just use your hands or just the mouth mouth on the spigot i got oh yeah you want a suicide drink off <laughs> to see who's not the man you me chipotle 5 a.m <laughs> we're doing this all right so now we will very briefly shit on Fallout 76. Who knows? Maybe it, it'll be good. I don't. Uh, wanna... It's a separate studio uh, within the within the Bethesda umbrella. It just feels like nothing that it doesn't matter. Look, there were the mutant people, the 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 people who were uh, no mutants allowed people, the people who petitioned in in the same form. There have been petitions for uh, Fallout 76 to have a single player mode. Um, who knows? People probably felt the same way about Fallout 3 before it came out, uh, so you never know if it's going to be amazing. It just seems like everything it's doing is like not what Fallout is, or at least not what, as Mark has said, what he wants at all. It doesn't seem like it's what I it's, want at all. It absolutely seems like they, it's the video game publishers do this all the time. Right. Someone breaks it big with like a trend, and then they immediately all jump on it, but because they're these lumbering, high-budget, high-production things they don't get to like cash in until the fad is pretty much over. And so following the logic, like Destiny had come out and Rust was this like huge survival. Like there were all these survival games right. that were making the rounds on Steam that were getting a lot of heat. And so they're like, oh, we're gonna do this, but majorly. And then like nobody plays Rust anymore. And even Dest even Bungie's kind of borked the Destiny gameplay loop. So like now Fallout 76 is gonna come out and like it's gonna have all this stuff that we don't even care about. Uh, you know, in another year they're gonna add a battle royale mode after no one gives a shit. It's just not, it's just not what people want. But you know, the actual core Todd team is working on Elder Scrolls Six, and that'll probably be great. So Fallout seventy six, an online multiplayer action RPG, set to release on November fourteenth, twenty eighteen. It uses a modified version of the creation engine, um, and apparently it can create sixteen times more detail than the original creation engine. Whatever that means, uh, players can play individually or with up to three other players in public servers. I think people are most worried about the griefing that can happen. Um, they are saying the private servers will come out eventually uh vats is weird in the sense that it's now a real-time system where you can still pick body parts but it happens in real time which sort of takes the vats out of vats in a lot of ways and the uh yeah the griefing thing is because fallout for as much as people don't want to admit it it is the game where you can join a fascist legion or like in earlier games kill a bunch of kids like the ability to go dark and to go kind of anti-social has been key to the game's appeal so if it's just this like 
polite, overly moderated land, then it won't feel like Fallout. So there is base building a la Fallout 4, but other players can attack your base as long as you're online and playing the game. And the player will preserve their creations, though, in some form so as not to have to start completely over. So they're going to be a little, like, charitable about that stuff. Uh, the special system is there, but there are perks established with the use of trading cards, which definitely sets off red flags if you know what that means at all. When you use cards, or when cards are involved, that generally means micro purchases and generally means like loot boxes. Question, yeah, loot boxes and all that. Even though I mean, before they announced this or during announced, like a lot of things changed about the um, public mm. look of loot boxes. Essentially, in other words. Um, uh, there will be no NPCs, which people hate. Uh, you will communicate with robots, holotapes, and terminals to find out story stuff, uh, if of whatever story stuff there is. And the, another weird one, players will be able to use nuclear weapons to reshape the game world. So after acquiring launch codes, the player can access missile silos and fire a missile at any point on the map. This will irradiate the area, which the player can then explore to find rare weapons, gear, items. However, it will also attract powerful enemies, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they will need to be sufficiently strong to survive. So, anyways, um, yeah, and then the, the, the but I will say John Ven- Denver's uh, "Take Me Home, Country Roads" <laughs> as uh, very well used in the advertisement. Yeah. So I will give shout outs to that. Fantastic, and who knows? Maybe I'll play. If enough people say it's good, I will definitely play it. But um, either way, that I think covers it for Fallout. Jake, do you got anything else? Uh, it's pretty cool that you can like hijack a solar power plant to create a space laser in Fallout New Vegas. There you go. That's pretty cool. That's it. That's what's up. Uh, Thanks again to Marcus for joining us for a portion of this episode and thanks to all of you who listen. If you'd like to support us more you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew and uh, you can follow me on twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. Jake? You can follow me on Twitter at bestjakeyoung and check out the hilarious improvised art cartoon based television animated show on dropout.tv, Cartoon Hell, uh, where I play a fucking demon. Uh, you can go to the Drawfee channel on YouTube to see episode previews. And uh, just in general, support my bullshit. And always remember, keep on whizzing. We, we did this in the last part. Ne- keep on bruising. Ne- changed ne- it. Never stop. Just never stop. Just never stop. See you later, everybody. <laughs> With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.